It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. 13 minutes to go ahead of the close on a Wednesday. Stocks are fluctuating near a record. Crude oil is plunging. It is down 3.9%, dropping $1.83 a barrel, 44.97 right now on West Texas Intermediate, back below $45 a barrel. We do have Brent crude down 4.2%. Gold Gold up 870 the ounce to 1344, a gain there of seven tenths of one percent. The 10-year up nine thirty seconds at yield 1.47 percent. S&P 500 index up a point to 2153, a gain there of about 0.1 percent. Dow Industrials up 33 points, a gain of two tenths of one percent. Nasdaq is down two tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on. Bloomberg Radio. Taking stock of the stock market, continuing to look to higher levels, although today a bit of a mixed reading. The Fed's beige book not giving bond investors too much direction in terms of where the Fed heads next, but bond investors don't seem to need it as the 30-year bond yield sold today at a record low 2.17% and 30-year German Sovereigns selling at a negative yield for the first time ever. Jack Ablin joins us now, Chief Investment Officer at BMO Private Bank. Jack, welcome back to the show. Kathleen. So, uh, Brexit seems to be fading as an impediment, certainly to the U.S. stock market, right? And even the pound is rebounded tomorrow. We have the Bank of England maybe cutting rates, but if they don't do it tomorrow, maybe in August. Let's start with U.S. stocks, though. What is the focus now if I'm trying to figure out if it's time to keep buying or if it's time just to keep my powder dry? Boy, we've got our powder dry. Um, I, you know, part of it is so mechanical, Kathleen, because it's really not individual investors that are necessarily buying stock. In fact, if you look at, um, you know, individual investors and mutual mutual funds and, and institutions, they've been net sellers of stock, particularly in the first and a lot of the second quarter, at least the, the way I see it. And in fact, it's buybacks that are making up the difference, uh, and then some. So really, a lot. A lot of the demand for these company stocks are coming from the companies themselves. Jack, I want you to follow up on that because uh, buybacks uh, have also contributed to the uh, number of shares being pulled out of the the market. And just to put a number on it, individual investors pulling $52 billion from U.S. stock mutual funds and exchange-traded funds in the first half of the year. Where's all that money going? 
Yeah, I think it's it's probably um, going into cash. It's it's going into stockpiles. You know, keep in mind it may be going into bonds uh, actually because you know the, one of the things that these negative rates have done is really um, backfired in many respects. You know, if you consider that if you're a retiree or if you're uh, an insurance company looking to generate a certain amount of income per year and bond yields go down, you have to buy more bonds. Uh, and so what we found, for, for example, in Japan, that more investors are hoarding cash and, and, and buying more bonds uh, when rates come down. So it's a, it seems to be a backward situation. Yeah, it is certainly uh, one that is making life interesting. Do you put any stock – I mean, Jack, you're, you're great at – certain kinds of big picture signals that help you make investment decisions. I always think of the time when, you know, you looked at, you saw a, a signal from the commodity, for commodities, you got bullish on commodities, right? And it worked very well because you, you got on before a lot of other people did. But now, uh, the flatter yield curve, recession, it used to be an indicator, but it just seems it's hard to read signals from the bond market as meaning anything for the economy now. Right. I mean, look at look at what what investors are, or 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 what's leading the market higher. We're hitting all time highs, led by telecom and utilities. What's that telling you? I, I don't see happy days are here again. This to me sounds like uh, investors are buying canned goods at the grocery store before the storm. Does that include? Companies such as Home Depot or even uh, McDonald's and United Health. Absolutely, I think the theme here, Pim, is investors not able to get the adequate yield out of the bond market thanks to um, thanks to all of this, uh, you know, central bank buying. In fact, they are the bond buyer uh, worldwide, and so investors are looking at uh, equities as a income alternative, which is rational. Uh, in fact, um, you know, these companies that you mentioned are ones that have had a pretty good track record of maintaining and growing their dividend over time. So, you know, these aren't necessarily the highest yielding players. Uh, these are the ones who at least were the most persistent. So I think, and I, you know, I've talked to, I've talked to retirees about it. I said, look, you know, if you have, uh, uh an income requirement of two and a half percent, let's say, why wouldn't you buy a portfolio of uh, 2.5% dividend-yielding stocks that have had a long track record of maintaining and growing that dividend. Buy it, clip your dividend, and don't care about what happens to the price. As long as those dividends are intact, you're set. So I think a lot of that um, rationale is driving what's what's going on in the market today. Jack, uh, corporate bonds... Um we just saw the largest daily inflow ever to a corporate bond ETF. That was a story two days ago on the Bloomberg. I believe there were about a billion dollars worth of inflows into a corporate bond fund in a day. Negative yields creeping into new issue corporate bonds in Europe. What's an investor to think here? Do, do corporate bonds, at least U.S. corporates, offer value as if corp, some corporates are even going so low or into negative territory? What do you, what do you see there? I don't see much value there, Kathleen. You know, McDonald's last December did a 10-year bond deal in the U.S. Uh, for about 3.5%. McDonald's just completed a bond deal in Europe 10 years for 0.75%. Um, so, you know, clearly um, they're finding great value there. Uh, and as long as the the, uh, the bond yields they're paying um, are lower than the free cash flow yield they're generating, uh, I guess it makes makes sense. So, you know, I can't blame treasurers for issuing bonds. I'm not sure who's buying. I don't think individuals are buying. I think it's the ECB. In fact, that McDonald's issue was did qualify for ECB purchase.
Jack, what's the worst investment right now? Oh, boy. Let me look through my portfolio here. I've got a <laughs> bunch. Um, now I In other words, what's the most unloved investment? I would say unloved investment that I think has legs is, you know, Kathleen mentioned it at the beginning of the show, commodities. You know, commodities are, are now offered at a probably 70, 60, 60 to 70% discount to where they were, and they're starting to show signs of life. Uh, we started purchasing commodities back in May uh, after they they kind of broke out a little bit. Uh, and interestingly, you know, we know we, we have oil uh, trading uh, roughly below production cost here at home, but we also have agricultural products trading at 15 to 16% below production cost. So that's, you know, if you, uh, you know, believe that eventually that's got to right itself, either the price has to go up or the production has to come down. Gold. Gold, of course, has been a favorite flavor for people watching Brexit, betting on the Fed not raising rates, maybe even betting that there are some disinflationary forces gathering strength around the world. What do you see for gold in a continued rally? Yeah, I mean, I think that gold, you know, certainly serves a purpose. Um, you know, historically, gold has always been uh, that that uh, opportunity cost of carrying gold, um, given that you've had to forego income and, you know, pay some sort of a storage fee. But, you know, that incremental disadvantage is pretty much gone. So it does serve an interesting diversification. And, you know, probably, um, you know, if if you do want to venture your way into the stock market and buy at these levels, maybe an equal measure of gold could be a decent offset. Do you recommend looking at emerging markets at all? do um you know this is um this is this is one where put it put it this way we got it very early in emerging markets um we were enticed by the valuations and they've been going nowhere for three years uh we've maintained our position there and i think you know i haven't looked lately but last time i checked emerging markets were the best performing equity market uh category this year and you know that's if that, that has its nice little stealth rally behind the scenes um so be it. But, um, yeah, I think that um, that's probably a, a place where, um, you know, out of the way of Brexit to some degree, out of the way of uh, some of the other um, challenges, certainly here at home with the election. Uh, and, you know, when you get, for example, China that now is approaching $10,000 per capita GDP, um, you know, Domestic demand will start to flourish there. So I think that's, you know, at least a longer-term signal for emerging markets. So central banks, Fed, we've got the Bank of England. Maybe they're going to cut rates tomorrow. If they don't, they'll do it in three weeks. You know, Mark Carney, who's the head of the BOE, certainly seems to have signaled that. How big of a deal are any of these moves now for equity markets and bond markets, for that matter? You know, I would have I would have said three or four months ago that in, investors were inured with the the actions of the central banks, knowing that they're really not doing very much anymore. But you know, the fact is they've captured the imagination and have driven you know a lot of things higher. Um, my sense is, and what I'm I'm really waiting for is that next leg, and that what I'm looking for is fiscal stimulus. You know, it, the fact is that the British. Um, Pretty much voted against the political elite in 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 Brussels. Um, you know, Trump supporters are looking to do that here at home, and I think at some point, you know, Brussels uh, looking at the e- and the EU have to throw their constituents a bone, um, and so perhaps it comes in the form of fiscal policy. 
Thank you very much for uh, for enlightening us. Uh, Jack Ablin, always a pleasure. He's the chief investment officer for BMO Private Bank, helping to manage approximately $68 billion of customer assets based in Chicago. You can follow him on Twitter at Jack Ablin. You're listening to Taking Stock. We take you through to the close, and this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.